fantastic spent it alone watched a little bit of netflix went to the gym and did cardio for a couple hours you know trying to get the the body ready and and beach shape whenever that'll eventually come oh i actually sound worse than i uh than i normally would because uh i don't know i maybe adjusted a lot of um uh drywall dust or something because um i i i've talked i talk like job rule today for some reason so it's very frustrating but uh but yeah i'm sorry to hear that about your family yeah you're dude. sick i sound like hell from the su louisville game monday night yeah screaming my butt off in overtime like i, I honestly dude i don't think it's the drywall that's getting you i think it's that little a little two-year-old who's like an incubator for disease She's been the healthiest human being I've met in uh, my lifetime. She's healthy as an ox down there. She's not even remotely got the sniffles. She's been healthy all winter, knock on wood, because uh, there's nothing worse. Oh, she's than not affected by it. Toddler. She's just a carrier. She's patient zero. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you hear some sniffing and um, cod, some uh, clearing of the throat, I actually sound way worse than I feel. I don't feel terrible, actually. But anyway. Someone that is feeling terrible right now, whoever the poor gents that Darrell Rivas knocked out. Um, breaking news as we're prepping for the show, Darrell Rivas um, being looked at for a couple of felonies, uh, including robbery, um, assault, uh, some other stuff. So, oh man, you know, this is a guy that, as far as I know, has never been in trouble with the law. So this is kind of uh, bizarre news. So, um, so far, what do you make of it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it just came out. We still need to get all the details. But, you know, we've talked about in the past where, like, dude, if you're a pro athlete, you got the golden ticket. You just – if you have friends who are into just, you know, illegal activities or troublemakers, you need to distance yourself from those people, man. I mean, there's so much on the line. You have so many people depending on you, your family. Like, just stay out of trouble, man. I don't – I don't understand why it's that hard to do. You and I can do it perfectly well, and you know we don't have millions invested in our bodies or our careers. Yeah, no. Uh, well, I got. I, I did get put handcuffs one time, but that was. Uh, you know, that's neither here nor that's a story for another podcast. But uh, but yeah, honestly, that was just dumb though. What I did, I hit a car. I'll just tell the story real quick. We have time. So basically, what I did is uh, right when I first started driving, I was in the army at uh, Fort Bragg. I think I was only there at that point for like maybe five months, if that. And uh, I backed into a truck. I got out. I'm like, oh my god, all the damage is to my car. It was at night. I didn't see the truck. Um, uh, you know, it was funny because the only reason they even know it was me is that a witness saw me and took my license plate down. But in the witness statement, according to him, I was talking on my cell phone and had my music blasting, which. Little, little, uh, little tougher than it than it sounds. I don't know. I was probably doing one or the other. I was probably on my cell phone. I was probably listening to loud music, Chronic 2001 by Dr. Dre, to be specific. But I wouldn't have been doing both at the same time, so that was kind of stupid. But uh, long story short, they got my plate. They saw the dent in my car. They came. They put the handcuffs on me. Took me to the police, uh, the MP station, and as a paralegal, that's a no no. So my uh, sergeant major, Sergeant Major Brody. Um, on the off chance anyone ever gets us to him, what's up, Sergeant Major? Um, he was like, "Man, I don't know. I don't know of any paralegal that have kept their MOS after this." Mind you, four hours have gone by, and he's he's picking me up from the MP station from off post uh, off of Fort Bragg. Probably drove about twenty five minutes to the MP station, dropped me off in my barracks because I couldn't drive, you know, and I was not brought there on my own, uh, you know, my own vehicle. The cops brought me there. They threw me in the cruiser. It was it was about a five hour ordeal. They picked me up at about ten. I finally got back to my room about three. 
And uh, <clears throat> so my sergeant major the whole time is like, yeah, I don't know anybody that's kept their MOS after something like this. Like, I don't know. We got to talk about getting you reclassed and you're going to have to go back through AIT, sign up for another four years. Everything starts over, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm freaking out, right? I don't sleep a wink that night. The only sleep I got was from like the 9.15 to 10.15. Um, between like, you know, going to bed and having the cops knock on my door. So I get to work the next day and, um, I'm in PT formation, not a solace. No one was talking to me. No one will say a word to me. So I'm like, Oh my God, no one will say anything. So go through PT, go through the whole day. No one will talk to me about it. No one brings it up. Whenever I try to bring it up, they're like, they're like private Kegel, just go away. We're not talking about this right now. Sergeant Clark, Mass Sergeant Clark, what's up? We'll talk to you later. So about two thirty, she calls me. She calls us over. Or excuse me, calls me over the intercom. PFC Kegel to my office now, and she has a thick, thick German accent. So didn't have to introduce herself. Tell me where to go. I knew exactly where I was going. Does Private Kegel gets to the office? I'm like, nine, 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 nine. So much nine, it could be ten. Oh my God, that is so eerily close to her voice. So um, I go up there. Sit down. So I sit down. My sergeant major's in there. The colonel's in there. And uh, they're like, we just, we're not sure what's going to happen. And then they all just start laughing. They're like, ah, just have your insurance. Take care of it. And uh, everything will be fine. Um, you're not getting reclassed. We were just messing with you all day. So I'm like, hey, guys, Jeez. thanks. Uh, freaking, I'm literally having a complete, like, panic attack breakdown. Like, I was like, oh, my yeah. God. It's not like I can be fired and go on my way. Like, I'm stuck in the military. I could be, I could be made a, yeah. an infantry guy. And anybody that knows me, I'm not built for that. I'm not built to be infantry. I can't kick in doors and shoot people in the face. Like if I had to, I guess I would, but I really did not want to. Yeah, so, like uh, you're not anxious enough in your everyday life. They have. Oh to my god! You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am the, uh, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm the Andy Dalton of uh, stressful situations. Sometimes, sometimes I can be Eli, but like when, it, when, when, when it comes to the daughter. Um, and she's uh, she's in some kind of uh, trouble, like when she started vomit projectile vomiting milk. Oh, I snap right in action. I turned an Eli in the clutch, and uh, but now in that situation, I was straight Andy Dalton. I was Andy Dalton on like a cocaine bender. <laughs> it was bad times, but yeah, that was a it's a really long, funny, God. drawn out prank. That uh, but I was arrested one time. But Darrell Rivas, get your shit together, bro. I, I do love the fact too that uh. You're known as Private Kegel. Very ironically, considering my last name. Yeah, it's funny. Um, <laughs> you should have heard uh, how the drill sergeant uh, addressed me after. Uh, I already swore, by the way. So, yeah, just put an E on this one, Tony. Um, so, uh, yeah, the drill sergeant, after realizing my name and it got around what Kegel actually was, it went from, <clears throat> excuse me, Private Kegel to um, Pussy Exercise, Private Squeeze, um, Oh God! There's a few others that some of them got worse, but yeah, it was um, entertaining to say the least. I try to go uh, try to go under the radar. That was my last name. Didn't work out. Yeah, that's rough. <clears throat> so we'll talk but, some more uh, sports. Yeah. Darrell Revis. Back to uh, yeah, back back to Revis. I was looking this up. So he has charges pending against him for robbery, terroristic threats. Conspiracy and aggravated assault, like those. Those are some pretty serious charges. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's going to have a great attorney who will probably get that all worked down and, um, you know, plead it out. Probably won't see jail time, I'm sure. But that's an interesting thing too. Is that uh, a two million dollar roster bonus is due to him on March 11th in a few weeks, plus another 13 million in salary. So it's got to make you wonder. I mean, he's he's at the twilight of his career. Do you think the Jets might cut him? I think the Jets were going to cut him anyway, to be honest, or, or ask him to move to safety. He yeah. can't cover anybody. Marquise Goodwin burnt him. Marquise Goodwin isn't that good of a receiver. He's a fast receiver, but Darrell Revis never used to get burnt like that. Darrell Revis, Darrell Revis in 2009 is the single best cornerback I've ever seen. That 2009 Darrell Revis, I, I, I yep. to this day, I love Charles Woodson, man. One of my favorite all-time football players. Did not deserve the Defensive Player of the Year award over Darrell Revis. Darrell Revis was just oh no no locked down. Revis Island, man, it was ridiculous. It was a real thing. Like everybody, Revis Island is turned into Club Med. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people there. A lot of old people. Um, a lot of people probably uh, yeah. It's that it's don't like make a, enough money to stay there. It's like a vacation there. spot. Yeah, for sure. So 
Yeah, it's like a port for a cruise ship to park at. <laughs> at this point, dock yeah. at. But he uh, he probably should have been moved to free safety. And that number for a free safety, ridiculous, because you can get a younger, better one. I mean, at this point. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, at this point, I mean, there's he, he would probably be an average free safety. Some guys made the transition and it serves them He's... well. Some do and it don't. So it doesn't, excuse me. So, you know. He's just not worth it. Plus, look at the Jets situation. I mean, who's their quarterback going forward? The, you know, they're terrible. They may as well rebuild, get younger. I mean, I would take I'd take the cap hit and just cut them. Just get rid of them. Don't deal with Attic. Yeah, I agree 100%. So, all right, let's transition to another New York City football star. Um, one that's fading probably as fast as Revis, but for different situations. Or, just, excuse me, different reasons. Victor Cruz. So... It may or may not have been mentioned on a previous episode or two that I am a lifelong, diehard New York Giants sports fan. Uh, they're my favorite sports team. I would have named my daughter after Eli Manning if I could have. I was trying to figure out ways, maybe Ellie Manning, Kegel, whatever the hell she was going to go I'm by. I'm sure the wifey name. shut that down pretty quick. Oh, it's like the Kemi Matumbo blocking me Bill Kegel shot in his prime. It was pretty, it was pretty bad. So... <laughs> You bring um, your list to the wife and she yeah. just smacks it away. Gives you, you the know. finger wag. Yeah. No, 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 no. Not today, my friend. <laughs> Sounds like just like Cookie Monster. But um, so Victor Cruz, by the way, I love the guy. I mean, he's as big of a reason for us winning the Super Bowl in 2011. And I say, us. I bought enough merchandise and I'm paid enough to see that team. I'm calling him us. So <clears throat> that being said, Victor Cruz needed to get cut. Sorry, Giants fans. Sorry, fans of uh, Victor Cruz. He needed to get cut. The guy was seriously ineffective. I have some 2016 stats here. I'm waving around on a piece of paper because I have to use my phone for Skype. Um, So Victor Cruz in 2016 had... That's the problem, though. Most fans can't do it. They They can't can't separate the emotion from the logical choice. No. He's just not performing. He's not worth it. I mean, he was great for you guys. 2011, he just keeps, amazing. He's, he's 2012, he's really good. 13, really good. 14 before his knee injury, really good. That was a devastating patellar tear for a guy that has essentially one specific skill set, which is making people miss in small areas and separating in small areas. He wasn't a refined route runner. He didn't have great hands, but he was insanely athletic and yep. used that to his advantage. And, and, you know, good for us, good for him. He was, he was fantastic when he did it. So 2016, he had no 100-yard games. The closest he got was in week two, four catches, 91 yards against a very, very, very bad New Orleans Saints defense. He had one touchdown in week one against Dallas. Now, that's interesting you say that, too, because look who's on the other side, the, the, probably the greatest wide receiver in football. So, if anything, Victor Cruz should be better because you have a guy drawing all this attention. Yeah, no, I agree. So, anyway, his best game was week two against the Saints. And he, week 16 against Philly, he had eight catches, 84 yards. Looks like a little bit of a renaissance. But he also had zero. He played a full game, had zero catches against Green Bay and against Pittsburgh. One catch in five separate games. He missed week 10. He just couldn't separate anymore. He was he was the third he was the third banana in a very weak receiving core that was that he and he was losing snaps to undrafted free agent Roger Lewis and practice squad Tavares King. It just, you know, he was lo- he was losing snaps to these guys. It's Victor effing Cruz. Like, he should not be losing snaps to them. And he just doesn't have it. The patellar injury. And then that led to a calf injury he missed all of 2015 with. Like, I love the guy. By all accounts, he's a great guy. Randy's, um, I think his cousin is, like, dating Victor Cruz's, like, half-brother or something like that. Like Victor Cruz and, and uh, Randy from Back Sports Page, they they talk a lot. Like Victor's a nice guy by all accounts, and you know, and, and it sucks to see him go out like this. But I think his career is over. I've been getting in arguments with my friends, and and my one buddy and I, Sean, have a have a, a steak dinner on whether or not Victor Cruz is on a fifty three man roster next year. I just don't think he is. I think he has a bright future after football, but as I think his football career is done, and it sucks to see. I love the guy, but you know, he's 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 finished. Yeah, I, I think he'll be invited to a training camp, but I got to agree with you. I don't think he'll make the final cuts. He might make it to like the last couple of weeks, but I just, I don't think his body's going to hold up. And like you said, he just, he can't cut. He can't separate because of that knee injury. Like I think he'll go to a training camp. We might see him in a couple preseason games, but he's just, it's unfortunate, man. He's a shell of his former self. 
and it sucks because he was so much fun to watch. I mean, he single handed yeah. I mean, he, and, he won that Jets game for the Giants in 2011. I mean, that's a big reason why they even got to the playoffs. They were nine and seven. He won that Jets game with a 99 yard. It was like just a quick little. It was just a quick little hitch. He turns around. And he takes it 99 yards. It's, I mean, it's the longest play in Giants history. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you guys some credit, man. As a Cowboys fan. You know, when he was coming back for the injury and Beckham had his monster rookie year, I was over in the corner just shaking violently at the thought of, you know, our, you know, below average cornerbacks trying to guard these two. It just seemed like a matchup nightmare with each one on either side. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a tough one. So uh, he was going to count nine point four million dollars against the cap. Uh, They saved seven point four million dollars by releasing him. he, you know, he, he definitely wasn't worth that money. I do see him getting, like you said, some training camp yeah. invites. There's rumors about Denver. I, I, I don't know um, how how legit those are, but we'll see. He'll get a couple training camp invites, and I think he'll he'll play like veteran yeah. minimum, and maybe he'll get one more year in. Uh, but I, I just don't I just don't see him making a roster, especially the way he puttered down the end of the season. Or maybe it's a two year injury. Maybe he's over it. And maybe he goes back to his former self. But clearly the yeah. Giants didn't see it and I didn't see anything that would indicate that he was progressively getting stronger throughout the season. If anything it was the opposite. Yeah, and at the end of the day too, the Giants need that money for the cap. I mean their biggest concern is that offensive line and getting a running game going. Yeah. And you gotta protect Eli at this point. I mean, you know, he's in the later stages of his career. You gotta keep him upright. And that offensive line was just like a sieve. Like it's there's so many holes in it. Oh, Eric Flowers is absolutely putrid. I mean, this isn't going to turn into a giant segment, but I mean, it, it, it goes without saying that Eric Flowers is putrid and that money could be used elsewhere. They also cut Rashad Jennings. Um, saw that coming too. I love Rashad Jennings. Uh, met him once. Super nice guy. But, you know, he is another guy. I mean, he just wasn't good. And I think the Giants feel comfortable with Paul Perkins and maybe picking up a free agent um, in the off season to, to pair with him if uh, Shane Reed isn't good to go. But, um, you know, some other rumors about the Giants is uh, Terrell Pryor might might be somebody they target. Um, I like him for, you know, the 8 to 10. That scares me, honestly. Two. Oh, he's massive. He's so big. So, yeah. and he just learned. You to give play Terrell Pryor a good quarterback like Eli, like yeah. that scares me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I agree. Um, sorry, market something here. Uh, but yeah, he, you know, he's somebody also that, um, you know, to pair with Vic, or excuse me, to pair with, uh, Odell Shepard, um, and Pryor. I mean, I, I, I like it. I like the big receiver. Reminds me a lot of, uh, Plexico Burris, but with, with insane speed to, to pair along with that. So, um, <clears throat> But uh, just to remind everybody you are listening to Under the Hoodies, that's Tony DeNicola. I am Bill Kegel. You can find both of us at Under the Hoodies on Twitter, at Bill K. Eagle on Twitter, at TonyQs44, and Under the Hoodies podcast on Facebook. We're going to start doing more with that stuff over there soon. Um, but yes. it's been... Uh, has been a little bit of an issue. Um, but we, we, we've had a tumultuous few, uh, few weeks Um but as you know, Tony, as you can see, I am in Under the Hoodie Studio right now, an unfinished Under the Hoodie Studio. But from what it looked like a month ago, hella progress, bro. That's all I can say about it up here. It looks really good. I hope the echo isn't coming through, but uh, it's it's getting there. So, yeah, I like it. Yeah, no, it's looking great, man. I'm excited for you. looks awesome, especially from the pictures you show me of what it started as. Oh, it's just a wood, old 1880s wood hole that was just sort of up here. And now it's drywalled and it's it's mudded and, uh, you know, we're just putting the finishing touches on it. I mean, that's all that's all the father-in-law. He just points and I do or he just does and I just stand around with my hands on my hips like a lady. I have no idea uh, what else to do. So. <laughs> and, uh, hey, lady. Hey, lady. Um, <clears throat> so let's stay in the tri-state area. And Locke's talking oh, about God. your New York Knicks. All right, go ahead. Your I'm... New York Knickerbockers. Dear God, I hate this team. At what point can you just trade your fandom? Like, how many years do I have to suffer? Can I just, can I return my Knicks fan card and just go with a new squad? It doesn't, I'm not saying I got to pick like a contender like Golden State. I'll take an up and comer like, God, I don't know, maybe Milwaukee or Orlando. 
Oh, oh, Minnesota. Minnesota's fun. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, there we go. I just, man, it's so frustrating to watch this team. I've defected to the Cavs. I, I'm just going wherever LeBron goes. I don't care what he does off the court, what he says, what kind of beef he gets in with Charles Barkley. I don't care about any of it. All I know is that on that hardwood, the best player I've ever seen. Yes, I saw Michael Jordan. LeBron oh, is the best player I've ever seen. One of the best athletes of all time. Um, you know what? And I get into this argument with people, uh, by the way. LeBron versus Michael. We'll get back to the Knicks in a second. LeBron versus MJ. <clears throat> For one, completely different. Uh, completely different. You know the old saying, apples, oranges, or whatever? If Michael's an apple and LeBron's an orange, I like oranges better. He's just he's just the kind of basketball player I like watching more than Michael. And I watch Michael. I watch Michael, you know, win the first, uh, well, two of the first three titles, and then definitely all of the last three. So that being said, maybe I wasn't a uh, sophisticated enough fan to appreciate Jordan in the in the era. But all I know is what I'm watching right now is the greatest basketball player I've ever seen. He's Magic Johnson. He's he's a little bit of bird. He's a, he's a little bit of Carl Malone. He's but he's to me that he's the best basketball player in my lifetime. Um, I love Michael. You know Michael's probably a better player, um, but to me LeBron, as far as everything the basketball the game encompasses, LeBron is a better player than Michael Jordan. I'm saying it at the 21 minute mark on this podcast under the hood is 32. See, I've got to differ with you a little bit, and I think it's to each their own, like their own taste. Like you like you like Rocky Road ice cream. I like mint chocolate chip. I'm a Jordan guy, man. I, it's his personality fits me more. Just LeBron's too laid back, too emotional. I loved Jordan. I love that killer instinct, just that assassin feel, much like Kobe. Like he's gonna finish you at all costs. He's got his foot on his throat, and he's going to end you. LeBron just. I just can't stand how everything gets to him, how he worries about how he's portrayed. Yeah, you know, God forbid. It's like he whines about you know getting more players to play with him, and he's a huge baby on social media. Like he's got to go on Twitter and unfollow the Cavs because he's upset about how things are going in the regular season. He has to get his coach fired. Like I don't know, man. I'm just I'm such a Jordan guy. All time, I just I love I love his attitude. Win at any cost. I agree with you on that stuff, but I don't care. I- I tend not to put as much stock in that as everybody else. Like I think that I think that on the floor, um, you don't see that behavior from LeBron minus the whining of the rest. But Jordan did the same thing. Let's 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 not get crazy here. Um, but oh yeah, all superstars get calls. Yeah, and whine about calls when they don't get them. So yeah, I, I understand that completely. You know what? One thing I did love that Jordan did, though, as I remember one time he was going up. I remember John St- uh, John Starks was just in his grill the whole game. Jordan went up, and instead of shooting the shot, just overhead threw the ball at Starks, hit him square in the back of the head in the air. It was so impressive. You can find that on yeah. YouTube. Go ahead. It was hilarious. Oh, man. I, I, man, I love Starks, too. But <laughs> Jordan just clowned him every chance he got. It was just no match. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's sad. Four Starks. Uh, but he, you know, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you. Nobody had that competitive relentlessness like like Jordan. You've never seen anything like that. Kobe is probably the closest. And I don't even think he scratched the surface of how just insanely nuts of a competitor that Jordan was. I mean, and that's the thing that made Jordan better than oh. everybody else is is that competitiveness. But when I say I, I like LeBron better, it's as a complete basketball player. Jordan wasn't the ball hander LeBron is. Jordan wasn't the the absolute power that that LeBron was. Jordan could Jordan was a great great defender, but he couldn't guard four to five positions like LeBron could. Uh or LeBron well, I should say could cuz he can't really anymore. He is a little bit of erosion, but um the thing that's most impressive See, about here's LeBron, a reason oh, too. Ahead, sorry. Here's why I prefer Jordan over LeBron. LeBron just won the genetic lottery. That guy is probably the most athletic human being on the planet. Jordan had to work very, don't get me wrong, Jordan's very athletic, but Jordan had to work so hard at it. He came in the league and had zero jump shot. He had to rely on his athleticism. He just, he took himself to a whole nother level. And another thing that just irritates the hell out of me about LeBron, and we saw it, you know, a month or two ago, was just that absolute flop he took against Draymond Green. I mean, Draymond Green barely touched him, and you would think a sharpshooter in the rafters just took out LeBron from behind. The way he flopped 
It's just the most aggravating, ridiculous. The man is six foot nine, 260 to 70 pounds, completely shredded. He is a freight train. To, to flop and go down like that is just absolutely ridiculous, and it irks me beyond belief. That's why I can never be a LeBron guy. Instances uh, like that drive me nuts. I can't defend that at all. That you're you're spot on with that. That, that Dude, is bothersome. <laughs> I played you. pick I played pickup football on Turkey Day one year against a guy that played for a semi pro team. I'm a slow, stocky white guy, right? So I played tight end. I went over the middle. This guy trucked me the hardest I've ever been hit in my life. Did I whine? Did I flop? I got right back up. Got back, you know, back on the line, and I went out for another pass and got killed again. Like, I just, I, I, it just irritates the hell out of me, man. Like, just be a man about it. Stop your whining. I, I It's frustrating, man. I feel like all the influx of European talent, and I love a lot of these players. They're super athletic. They're great basketball players. But they've just brought, like, that European uh, football, like that soccer field of the flopping with them. Can I point out that it's men's soccer that does all the flopping too, and not women's soccer? Women's soccer players are a thousand, oh yeah, a yeah, thousand it, times tougher than the men. Remember that chick from Germany that got kicked right in the nose? She basically wedged like two cotton balls and just did, I don't even think she missed a, a, a freaking second of that game. It was awesome. But um, yep. all right, back to the Knicks. Yeah. What did you make of the uh, James Dolan Charles Oakley situation? I love Oakley. I mean, if you can't tell, I'm very old school in my thought. Like, I love I love toughness. And Oakley was the personification of it. He was the heart and soul of the Knicks. You know, he wasn't, he. you know, he didn't fill the stat box at all for the Knicks. He was more like, I shouldn't say a role player, but, you know, he was just, he was the grit of that team. A great rebounder, a great defender. But I feel like he just, he took up for all Knicks fans in our absolute disdain and frustration with James Dolan and how he has just completely sunk this team. I mean, we haven't been good since 1999 when we were an eighth seed and we had that magical run to the finals against the Spurs. You know, we haven't sniffed success in 18 seasons. This is the New York freaking Knicks we're talking about. Like, this is, oh my God, this is the mega. This is Madison Square Garden. This is supposed to be the greatest team in basketball. We're $3.3 billion, the richest franchise in the league, and they're a freaking joke. And it is all because of James Dolan. I'm so happy. I mean, maybe I don't agree with the way Oakley did it, you know, pushing around these security guys are half his size. But, I mean, I feel like it's just, he just boiled over and he just spoke for all the fans and how just how done we are with James Dolan, his mismanagement of this franchise. Yeah, um, I'm with you. Um I think that he, I think I, I think that James Dolan is unfairly being compared to Donald Sterling. Um, I think what Donald Sterling did is reprehensible. The league took the, the the best action they could against it, and there was just no place for that kind of guy in the NBA. That yeah, being absolutely. said, I don't. I, I'm just going with. I don't like the comparison because I think it minimizes what Donald Sterling did too much i don't i don't think that james dolan is is on that level no, and we're not i don't him. think there's any comparison like there's Donald a Stone lot of is a racist right, james but, dolan yeah james dolan's incompetent well that's because it was a black man being escorted out by white security guards right it, it looks bad i get yeah that. It, the optics are bad but i don't think it was i don't think it was quite to that and i don't want to minimize what donald sterling did uh, by comparing him to James Dolan. Donald Sterling's a, just a disgusting human being and the world's going to be a better place when that man is no longer with us. Much like Marge Shot, if anybody uh, is bored and doesn't know that, don't know, that doesn't know about Marge Shot, go ahead and hit the Googles and Google Marge Shot, owner of the uh, Cincinnati Reds. Horrible human being. You guys thought Donald Sterling was bad? This is a terrible, terrible human being and the world's a better place when she passed away as well. So, that being said, James Dolan is a terrible owner and it really shows the impact that owners have on their teams not necessarily their value especially teams like the knicks who are just valuable just because of their location james dolan inherited the team he inherited his wealth his dad started Cablevision. his dad is a titan of industry and he's a trust fund kid and this is the problem with these guys that is a complete polar opposite of the bidwells ed bidwell jr 
took over the Arizona Cardinals, and the Arizona Cardinals has been a model franchise since. They've, they've made it to a Super Bowl. They've competed for Super Bowls. They've been one of the best teams in the league since Bidwell Sr. passed the team to his son. Um, James Dolan, complete opposite. James Dolan has drove the Knicks into the ground. Um, I think the hiring of Phil Jackson is an example of that. The hiring of Isaiah Thomas is an example of that. Get the right people in there. Getting getting Carmelo Anthony to be in Mike D'Antoni's system might be the stupidest thing I've ever heard. If anybody's ever seen Mike D'Antoni's oh, offense, God. Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Howard, who somehow D'Antoni had both of them at different points and different stops on his journey, and that goes to the Lakers, who are almost as valuable as the Knicks and somehow as were or as bad. Um, just goes to show you that uh, teams, and I'm stealing this from the herd, but God, it couldn't be more true. Teams that look to the past to fix their future don't know what the hell they're doing at all. Tony, do you know what R.C. Buford looks like? Uh, I... Do you know who R.C. Buford is? No. R.C. Buford's the general manager of the San Antonio Spurs. Uh... Do, you know who, okay. uh, do you know who runs the St. Louis Cardinals? Uh, no. See, I feel that's, with general management point. ownership, it's better if you don't know. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's the point. It's best you don't know who they are. That is 100% the point. Uh, and, and the fact that the, the Knicks have Phil Jackson, who's 70 years old and was retired and has never held a position before, is absurd. Why is he trying to run the triangle in a three-ball league? It doesn't make sense. It just does not make sense. And then Magic Johnson goes on ESPN is like, oh, oh, if I'm in charge of the Lakers, the first thing I'm doing is calling Kobe. What What is Kobe Bryant going to teach anybody? I, I, that's the most confusing thing I've heard in a while. What is Kobe Bryant going to teach anybody? Do you have an answer? Yeah. No. I don't, I, yeah, I don't have an answer either. Well, the, we, we've... We've seen it firsthand. These elite talents can't transfer it over to other people. It's never been able to happen. You're better off with a role player, much like you know Steve Kerr in Golden State. There's three examples I can think of off the top of my head of that that have worked. Larry Bird, John Elway, Ozzie Newsome. That's it. That's all I can think of. I can't think of anybody else yeah, that was... Three out of hundreds. Of hundreds, yeah. Magic Johnson was the head coach. Kareem Abdul was the head coach of the Lakers. It, it, it just never works. I, I don't get it. Jeff Hornacek, really good with the Suns. All of a sudden, can't coach on the Knicks. Is it Jeff Hornacek? Is it Derek Fisher? Or no, look at the roster they gave him. Are you kidding the me? roster, yeah. We got Joakim Noah and Derek Rose five years past their prime. Like, God, this team is such a joke. They piss me off. And the crazy thing is, is they have one of the three best young players in the league on their team, and he's progressively getting worse because you are surrounding him with Carmelo Anthony, Derrick Rose. It doesn't make any sense. You have Kristaps Porzingis. You have have a 7'3 guy that is a taller, more athletic version of Dirk. Dirk won title. Phenomenal. The kid can be phenomenal, but all that iso ball that Melo runs, it's just going to, it's going to crush his potential. It's going to crush his confidence. Can we, let's let's talk. Oh, it's frustrating. Let's talk about James Dolan, his misses. The long laundry list, the long grocery list of misses he's made. Gave Allen Houston a six-year contract, $100 million in 2001. No other team would give him more than $75 million. 2003, hired Isaiah Thomas as team president. You know, we all know how well that went. 2004-2005 season, hired Larry Brown to a five-year, $50 million contract. After one losing season, they fired Larry Brown and paid him out $18 million. Then Isaiah Thomas takes over as the coach. Again, another nightmare. Like, oh, this team, man. I just, I, I, I don't know what to say about it. And then the Oakley thing on top of it, like, this guy has run them into the ground. Like I said, they haven't had a great year since 99. They've had two playoff appearances since, and they've been swept both times in the first round. This sure. is New York basketball. This is the New York Knicks. Like, for a franchise that's supposed to be elite and have such a great history, they haven't won a title since 1973. 1973. Oh, we're going on a 44-year drought. That's insane. Yeah. For a... For a team in an area in a city that's supposed to be the mecca of basketball, like it's overrated beyond belief. Overrated might be an understated thing for uh, what the Knicks are. 
I don't know why they get so much coverage in the media. It doesn't make any sense. They're they're not that compelling. They're not a good product. They're Carmelo Anthony is the most overrated superstar of our lifetime, and I think you and I should be having a conversation about the greatness of Carmelo Anthony, considering that we're both Syracuse guys. You more than me, for sure. But what Carmelo Anthony mean to the city of Syracuse? Oh no, he's absolute garbage. Like, I, just look at Melo. Look at he puts up amazing numbers. But everyone you put him around, he makes them worse. Like, I'll, I'll give LeBron credit. LeBron is a great facilitator. LeBron makes his teammates better. LeBron, or sorry, not LeBron. Carmelo's on the opposite end of that spectrum. He makes everyone around him worse. And the fact, oh, God, let's talk about, too, that trade that they made to get Carmelo when he was going to be a free agent that summer. And just the amount of talent and the pieces that they gave up for them. They traded Carmelo Anthony. They got him from Denver. The Knicks sent back to Denver. Wilson Chandler, Raymond Felton, Danilo Gallinari, Timofey Mozgov, the Knicks 2014 first-round pick, the Warriors 12 second-round pick, and the Warriors 2013 second-round pick, and $3 million in cash. You know what the Knicks got back for that? Carmelo Anthony, Chauncey Billups, who had one year with the Knicks. One year, 17.5 points per game. Sheldon Williams played 17 games with the Knicks, 3.8 points per game. Ronaldo Balkman, 17 games with the Knicks, 2 points per game. Anthony Carter played 19 games with the Knicks, 4.4 points per game. You gave up all that talent, all those, all that future talent, those draft picks, $3 million for Carmelo Anthony. That's it. Like you, you basically just emptied your entire cupboard. And, and all those guys I just listed are still in the league. The ones the Knicks got are long gone. All those other players are still playing. Some at a at a you know good to great level. You know what's crazy about that too is if Carmelo Anthony just waited to the end of the season, he could have signed with the Knicks anyway and kept all those pieces in place to compete for a title. Yes, Gallinari yes. was a plus, great shooter. Plus the one draft the, picks. Yes, he was one. Of, yeah, when's the last time the Knicks have picked in the draft? Um, I don't think they. Yeah. Do the dra- do the Knicks even get draft picks anymore? Like, so frustrating. I have no idea, dude. It, it's really depressing. So, um, think but, about that. Think about if you surrounded Carmelo with Mozgov, Gallinari, Felton, and Chandler. I, At the very least, they'd be a playoff team. And they had Amari Stoudemire, who was in somewhat of his prime back then, too. You mm-hmm. know, could have had that. So, anyway, let's go. Uh, let's just point out to everybody that the New York Knicks are 23 and 34 right now and have a oh, and they're 12th in the east the east <clears throat> one more time the east yeah, the, um the, the the most lackluster conference in sports i mean it, it, unless you you know besides cleveland boston and toronto the rest of it's just a dumpster fire absolutely so um, i couldn't even name the teams in in 4th to 8th place like it doesn't even matter no, because Cleveland's going to beat them all. So, yeah. just to remind everybody, you are listening to Under the Hoodies. That is Tony DeNicola. I am Bill Keagle. Find us on Twitter, at Under the Hoodies, at Bill Key Eagle, and at TonyQs44, and on Facebook, Under the Hoodies Podcast. So, Tony, last thing we're going to talk about here is we are going to talk about the XFL documentary uh, by ESPN on their 30 for 30 series. I'm just going to let you go. You start. I'm going to play off of you this time. So um, what did you like about the XFL documentary? Or was there any, I, you know what? Better question. What did you learn that you didn't know from the XFL documentary? Ooh, that is a good question. What I didn't know. Uh, basically, just how they threw it together so quick. Like Vince McMahon just held a press conference. He had no cities in mind, no teams, no players. And he's like, hey. I'm going to go head-to-head to the NFL. I think what they're doing is it's crap. They're complete pansies. They've forgotten why the sport is so popular. I'm just going to create my own football league. And when you got to love Vince McMahon because of the, the bravado, the grapefruits that man has. When he sets his mind to something, he may not always go about it the best way, but that man is determined, and he, he will never surrender. I mean, he took on the National Football League. And, I mean, they're, much more, they're a much bigger powerhouse now. But they still had a ton of clout back in 2001. And that, that blew my mind. And the fact that, you know, we watched a documentary by, um, 
you know, directed by uh, Charlie Ebersol, Dick Ebersol's son. And those who don't know, Dick Ebersol ran NBC Sports. He was a 50-50 partner with Vince McMahon in the NFL. Or not the NFL. He was a 50-50 partner with Vince in the XFL. But it just amazed me that, you know, he called up Vince and was like, hey, you know, do you have a television partner? I want to work with you. Let's get this off the ground. Six weeks later, they have a business plan. They have a TV contract on NBC. Still don't have teams or cities, but, you know, they're off and running. I just think if they'd waited a little longer, just, you know, plan this a little bit better, maybe had a few more scrimmages, you know, increase the gameplay, this thing really could have taken off and had a good chance, you know, maybe not rival the NFL, but at least be a good complementary piece to it. Yeah, I agree with you. And um, the thing that I uh, that I learned was that the um, basically when you take somebody as powerful and as rich and as determined and as smart as Vince McMahon, it's it's kind of incredible what can be done. Um, and I think that you hit it on the head. You were you actually sort of stole my point, which was I guess it was planned a little bit more tick or a little bit more meticulously and and was thought out that. I think the XFL and the NFL could have coexisted. Um, I actually think that the, uh, I think that one of the other downfalls was the fact that the first game was such a boring lopsided game, which is what they switched to in the last second, right? It was the Vegas, New York game. And uh, they were initially going to do an Orlando game, which turned out to be a shootout. It was real close. It was a lot of fun. And then there was the mysterious um, generator that ran out of gas that, you know, that was in week two, yeah. Yeah, that was in week two. Yeah, yeah, but, like, there was just a blackout. Like, the game disappeared for how long? Like, four minutes or something like that where it was just gone and you lost all oh, of the God. viewers? Oh, God. I watched that game live. It was about 10 to 15 minutes, and, you know, I kept flipping back and forth. And, you know, 15 minutes of dead air and TV time is an eternity. Yeah, it's forever. So, yeah, that's – when you're trying to get a league off the ground, you can't have all these follies, like – and they did record numbers. Like, it was the highest-rated Saturday show, you know, in decades. Saturday is a graveyard for television. And I think they pulled, like, a 10 rating, which is, like, you know, um, to put it into perspective. Yeah. 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 I mean, Monday Night Raw now, like, barely gets a 3 rating. And that's on a Monday night, a prime night for TV. On a Saturday night, they pulled a 10 rating. That's a monster number. And you have to credit that to just the marketing campaign that they had. I mean, this is 2001. WWE was at its absolute pinnacle. This is during the Attitude Era. You know, um, sex was selling. Violence was selling. That's why the, the XFL came about the right time. And their marketing was just amazing. They ran these great promos of the violence. They, they ran that great commercial where that guy is running through a battlefield. You have explosions going off left and right. And then right before it cuts to black, the very last clip, it pops up on the screen, no fair catches. And the guy just gets taken out by a wrecking ball. Like it just, it played to just the the visceral like testosterone that we have as, as men. And just, you know, I was so amped for it. Like it just the marketing and the hype just was not matched by the gameplay and the product on the field. It was unfortunate. And I think a lot of the head coaches that they thought were going to be personalities um, ended up not being because I don't think that they – it seems like they were a little, like, I guess, confused by what was going on with, like, cameramen on the field, you know, getting interviewed in the middle of uh, plays, you know, the cheerleaders being a bigger part of the game than, than maybe even them. Um, I think that there was a lot, of, uh, a lot of those kind of issues that were out there. And I think the other thing is if it would have come back for a second season – that I think a lot of the, the things that they had to work out would have gotten worked out and would have over the course of a couple of seasons and they actually could have had a legitimate product, but they never got that chance. Um, and, I, you know, it makes sense. I mean, it was it, it definitely lost a lot of money. What ended up losing like $30 million, which isn't as big of a number as I thought, honestly. Because yeah. you hear like the reports. About like, 36, yeah. Yeah, you hear the reports and it was like, oh, they lost hundreds of millions of dollars. They really didn't. They lost $30 million, which is a drop in the bucket if you're NBC. And uh, the WWE. Oh, yeah. And, and NBC, at the time, they were owned by uh, GE, which is, like, and they may still be, I'm not sure, but that's like a multi-billion dollar corporation. Like like you said, $36 million is a drop in the bucket to them. And considering it was 50-50, then NBC only lost $18 million and WWE lost the other half. Yeah, exactly. And uh, NBC is not. NBC is owned by Universal now. Um, 
They were definitely they were at the time oh, that's owned right, by yeah. GE. GE was the biggest corporation on the on the planet at that time too, which I, I do believe they are still pretty massive. Um, but I think Apple now holds that distinction as the biggest corporation. I think the most profitable in the world. But I could be wrong. Go ahead and fact check me on that. I don't give a shit. But um, the uh, the XFL, <laughs> the XFL. That laugh. We're here for opinions, not facts, folks. Yeah, we don't do a whole lot of fact-checking, and not to mention my computer is such a sack of garbage that it's not even – I just can't even do it. I'm doing Skyping on my phone right now because Under the Hoodie, Under the Hoodie Studio is uh, still a work in progress, but definitely starting to look more and more like a room as opposed to a crypt. So uh, we're getting there. But um, Yeah, if you, if you people are here for facts, go watch the Mickey Mouse show that is uh, Mike and Mike. We're just trying to entertain you. Yeah, that's why I've been cursing this show. And not to mention, I'm a little doped up on um, on a Target brand NyQuil, the up and up. Um, but because, uh, you know, you know how I wanted to name my daughter after Eli Manning? It wouldn't surprise me if our daughter's yeah. name, if uh, if it was just up to her, was uh, Target. It, it, it just wouldn't have shocked me because <laughs> she loves that place. Target for a girl, Target for a boy. Um, but yeah. Hey, since we're talking about it quick, let me go off on a quick little tangent on Target. Go ahead. Did you hear about how there's a a rash of um, those giant red balls they have out front and how they're becoming dislodged? Yeah. And almost almost like an Indiana Jones is rolling through the parking lot, taking out cars and people. Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, Like, how how do you not secure that sucker? You need to, like, concrete that into the ground or, like, at least sink the hole a little bit so there's no way it could come out. Like, yeah. I didn't know it was that easy to get them shove, out. Shove I'm, some rebar I'm contemplating just pushing them with my Jeep. Yeah, a nice shot of yeah. rebar up the middle of it, and I think it's fine. I think it's, it turns into, like, a cement version of a cake pop. So it's not a big deal. But <clears throat> that being said, uh, that's never going to deter my wife from shopping at Target. Hell or high water, she will be at Target targeting it up. She loves the dollar spot more than she loves me, I'm convinced. So... Uh, that being said, the WWE XFL, I, I do wonder, I, I do wonder if that could have worked. I would love to, I, the revisionist history on that is really interesting because I think with some tweaks and, uh, some, some more, uh, you know, WWE, um, creative marketing stuff, I think that could have been a successful product and I think it could have acted not, maybe not necessarily as a farm thing for the NFL, but I definitely think that it could have coexisted. It could have lived in the same universe. I like, um, you know, they tried the UFL, they tried the, obviously the USFL, they had all these, these different types of leagues or whatever. And all it would have taken was NFL Europe. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, the CFL is prospering. It's a weird product, but that in and of itself is actually not a, you know, it's not a bad product, the CFL, um, but there's no feeder system for the NFL and who knows the XFL could have done that for them. Um, but yeah, we'll, I think it'd be we'll great if they had a minor league system in a way. Yeah. You and I, mean, I could have played. Just, yeah. It's, yeah. There were just so many missteps. I mean, I watch, I was a diehard. I watched that thing the whole way through and the gameplay around like week four started to get a lot better. I mean, it was very entertaining. The thing that I love that they did too, was just the promos. Like, when the broadcast would start, they would just have the, like these dramatic promos, much like they do in wrestling, where it's like tonight the New York New New Jersey Hitmen look for revenge against the Las Vegas Outlaws, and just I don't know all that pomp and circumstance. It just got you even more hyped to watch the game. Like I said, it's just the gameplay just couldn't keep up with it. But the the promo machine of the WWE just they're so good at what they do with marketing. Yeah, no, I agree. So. um Oh, you know what? We're going to do a quick transition because we wanted to talk about Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Um, Depending on what that fight turns out to be, I just don't see it being a good product. Compelling, interesting. You and I are going to be watching. You and I are going to cover it. But uh, I I don't see that being a good product at all. I I just don't understand. If If it's mixed martial arts, Conor McGregor wins quick. If it's boxing, Mayweather wins quick. Um... The one thing I will say for Conor McGregor is that if if it does is a boxing thing, there's what thousands of hours of tape on Floyd Mayweather boxing. There's none on Conor McGregor just strictly boxing. So how is he going to learn his tendencies? I think I think Mayweather will figure it out. But at the same time, I mean that at least could make it a compelling fight. So who knows? Yeah, and uh, 
Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely intrigued by it. Like, like you said, the, the fight itself probably will turn out to be garbage, but just the, the intrigue behind it, like, I want to see it in the worst way. Like, I'll, I'll gladly, you know, go 50-50 with you on it and, and you know, get this fight. But, and it, that's a great point, too. Like, there's no film on Connor fighting. And Connor is just a student of the game. Like, he watches so much film on guys and just knows... He knows how to anticipate their movements. Like, I don't want to say Connor can win, but I think I think he'll put in a better showing than people anticipate. He just he's so good at knowing what's coming. I mean, we saw it with the Diaz fight. We saw it with uh, the Jose Aldo fight. Oh, the Eddie Alvarez man. He just picked Eddie Alvarez oh, go ahead. apart. It was er, yeah. So yeah, we just wanted yeah. to touch on that. And once the fight is a, a, an official thing, we'll we'll go more in depth into it. So. Um, uh, the other I feel like I'm, it's got to happen almost because there'll be so much money on the line. Like, how could you not do it? Yeah. No, These I guys agree. are both standing to make anywhere from 30 to $50 million for one fight. There's way too it's much nuts. money involved for it not to happen. And Dana White, and WME, all these other organizations really, really want a big fight of that. So uh, I, I, I don't see a scenario in which it doesn't happen. So, um, all right. Here's <laughs> something. I've Go got ahead. a question for you. Do you think... Because, you know, we've heard the rumblings a little bit, how Connor's got the UFC and WWE bent over a barrel. Do you think he maybe comes to them like, hey, you guys can promote the fight, put it under the UFC banner, but I want part ownership in the UFC? It's absurd. Could that be a bargaining chip? Yeah, it could. Yeah. I think it should. I, I, I'm dumbfounded he hasn't been given a piece of it. Because what's the UFC without him? Yeah, and push comes to shove. Yeah, exactly. They have to give it to him. He is just a marquee name. He he's the guy that gets pay per view buys. Casual fans buy his fights. Yeah, you can name any UFC champion in any division right now. Ninety nine percent of people on the street have no idea what you're talking about. The second you say Conor McGregor, they're like, "Oh yeah, I love that guy. I love the Irish guy. Like he's great." I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, dude, and um, and and McGregor. It transcends the sport. They don't have anybody else like that. You could say Ronda. Ronda's not a good fighter anymore. Ronda's lost it. Ronda's done. Um, John Jones. Oh yeah. Can't 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 stay out of trouble. But even still, he's not a compelling enough. Can't fighter. depend on him. DC probably pound for pound the best UFC fighter of all time. I mean, definitely one of them in a in a really tough division. Nobody likes him. He's the nicest guy on the planet. No one likes him. Um, McGregor sells. He's, he's boring. Nobody Imagine, else. yeah. Take Chael Sonnen's personality and put it in Daniel Cormier, and you have you have the next Conor McGregor, if not better. See, and I I think when I watch Chael, as good as he is at uh, shit talking, I don't think that he's. I don't. I I think a lot of it seems like it's more for show than it is actual trash talking. But when McGregor does it, oh yeah, it's it's biting. It's bothering the other person it's causing the other person to throw water bottles and and, and elicit a visceral reaction i mean eddie alvarez looks like he wanted to just punch mcgregor in the face and not that he would have been able to because he had opportunities and he couldn't do it so that being said i think that uh i think wme is out of their skull if they have no if no desire to give mcgregor a chunk of the of, of the ufc because What's the UFC without them? It's regional. It's the WWWF before it before it became national. It's 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 regional. It's yep. It's nowhere near as big, and they should thank their lucky stars. Dana White should literally go lay on his giant pile of money like Scrooge McDuck and thank Conor McGregor every time he does it because that's why he has that much money. Counting his coins. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So, uh, anything else before we uh, go on to our entertainment picks? Uh, yeah, just real quick on Connor. Um, I think I sent this to you earlier. I haven't seen the interview. He, I guess he did an interview with GQ magazine, but I found this great quote by Connor. People think I'm a celebrity. I'm not a celebrity. I break people's faces for money and bounce. That's how can you not love this guy? No, he's the best. Um, I I love McGregor. There's there's, I mean, after the Eddie Alvarez fight, I loved. He was like. I'd like to apologize. I like to take this time to apologize to absolutely fucking nobody. Oh, so you, me, and Beecham uh, were <laughs> double champ does whatever he wants. Oh my god, where's my yeah. other fucking belt? 
Oh, it was fantastic, dude. I, I love that guy, dude. He's the best. Cheap motherfuckers, grab me my other belt. He's so, dude, who else in sports is like that? Nobody. There's so many trash talkers, yeah. nobody can do it as good as him. And he's so good on his feet. It's so awesome. He's like a wrestling heel he's your, that like, you don't have to write for. Like, that. that's that's a promoter's dream. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's your like class clown buddy. Like everybody has one. Like the funniest guy in the in the group that goes out to the bar, cracks everybody up, and then he can just kick the shit out of everybody there. Like yeah, the guy is just amazing. The only person that even remotely compares in professional sports right now to being funny is Joel Embiid, and he's not even on McGregor's level. Joel Embiid does have some funny tweets though. Yeah, the, the miles of D about Mia Khalifa is still one of the funniest tweets I've seen in a while. But <sighs> uh. But no, I mean, even, even you know, amazing. He, he can't even scratch the surface of what McGregor does. So, all right, buddy, entertainment. Yeah. Our girl Mia Khalifa too. Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. She took another shot at uh, Chad Kelly, which was amazing. <laughs> oh, hold on, I have some breaking news, by the way. Oh. In the 2017 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills take Chad Kelly, loser, Ole Miss. Enjoy your quarterback, <laughs> Buffalo. Oh, Enjoy your quarterback. His last name is weird... Kelly. You'd be better off with Kelly Kapowski from Saved by the Bell. Chad Kelly is hot garbage and is be... never going to be anything in the NFL. I promise you. No. Enjoy that. Yeah. You'd be better off uh, bringing in Kelly Holcomb. Wow. We're digging deep on the Kellys. Um, so, yeah. <clears throat> what's your entertainment pick? My entertainment pick. I saw this online earlier and I also saw it on SportsCenter. Um, they were doing. Uh, they decided to prank Chicago Cubs World Series winner Chris Bryant. So the, I guess he was shooting like a commercial or something like that out at uh, at a field. He's taking batting practice. So they decide they're going to bring in Hall of Famer and one of my former Atlanta Braves. I guess I shouldn't say former because once a Brave, always a Brave. They brought in four-time Cy Young winner Greg Maddox. Put him into disguise. You know, beard, wig, makeup, everything. So they disguise him as a sound guy. So, you know, he's behind the cage. He's got his boom mic out. And Chris Bryant's taking BP. So the um, the BP pitcher, you know, gets a phone call. He's like, oh, hey, man, guys, I got to go real quick. So they're like, oh, how are we going to finish this commercial? We need someone to chuck it to Chris Bryant. So Maddox in the disguise is like, hey, man, I'll do it. Chris Bryant's, you know, kind of put off by this. He's like, no, no, I don't want to do this. So Maddox gets behind the mound, throws a couple pitches, just complete garbage in the dirt. And Brian's like, man, do we really have to do this? Maddox throws a couple more and just completely freezes him with curveballs, change-ups. Like, Chris Bryant eventually is trying to, like, get a hit off this guy. He's trying to put one out of the park. And he's just freezing him left and right with change-ups. Like, 12-6 curves, change-ups, like, left and right. Cannot get a good hit off him. So, you know, Chris Bryant keeps going, going, eventually puts one out of the park on him. You know, they go over and they're talking and, uh, you know, Maddox is like, hey, you know, can I get that bat from you? And Bryant's like, yeah, sure, no problem, man. You gave me a run for my money. He's like, yeah, could you uh, could you sign it for me? And Bryant's like, yeah, sure, what do you want it to say? And it's like, uh, you know, he says something like, oh, you know, thanks for the BP, uh, Greg Maddox. And Bryant's like, dude, you got to be kidding me. He takes out the disguise and... Just go on YouTube, check it out on SportsCenter. It's an amazing prank. It's it's so good. And the best part was before BP, you know, they're talking. I guess this is in Maddox's hometown. He's like, oh yeah, you know, this is great. I would have loved to. I would have loved to be able to take pitches from Greg Maddox at some point. Oh, that's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, yeah. I saw the thing. I didn't watch it yet. Um, so mine is yeah, so clever. So mine is going to be a little out of the box. Not really. You know what? Yes, it is going to be sports related because I'm still upset about uh, White Men Can't Jump. Everybody go watch White Men Can't Jump. God damn it. <laughs> I'm so pissed off thinking yes. of the idea of Blake Griffin and Ryan Khalil remaking a masterpiece. A masterpiece. Go. Uh, I can't. I can't yell right now because my throat hurts too bad. But. That being said, go watch uh, go watch one of the greatest sports movie ever. White men can't jump. Also, uh, Tony, go ahead yes. and do our Twitter stuff for us. Uh, guys, as always, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you sharing. Tell a friend. 
Tell a family member. Tell your pastor, your rabbi. We need as many listens as possible. Download the show. We appreciate you guys listening so much. And we are willing and able to take any feedback you want to offer. Hit us up on Twitter. He is Bill K. Eagle. I am Tony Cuse 44 You can find the show at Under the Hoodies. Send us a tweet. Send us a DM. Any suggestions, anything you want to hear, we'll hit it. Uh, we did have someone a couple weeks ago. We actually got a hater, which I enjoyed so much. Uh, this woman was not impressed by me uh, ripping on Bill's Mafia. So she decided to uh, lash out and say that um, our podcast was absolute crap. And then a couple tweets later admitted that she never listened to it, which I just thought was extremely hilarious. But yeah, guys, hit us up under the Hoodies Podcast on Facebook. Um, if you even want to go as far, I just got Snapchat, Tony Q's 44 I mean, hit us up. We appreciate your feedback. We appreciate you guys listening. I drink your podcast. I drink it up. <laughs> <laughs>